Welcome, Fox Trying in a Foxhole, Season 1, Episode 19, live from Boom Talk Studios, deep in the heart of very windy South Eugene, Oregon, on a Tuesday, our weekly dive of what's going on in the world of sports and whatever else. I want to thank the folks at www purpleplanet.com for the wonderful theme song. As always, for any feedback, questions, or just to say hey, ftinfx at gmail.com. Give me a shout out one of these days. Mailbox is getting kind of lonely. So yeah, you know, I'm going to go with our whole broken record thing that we always say every week. When we're preparing to do this sh- podcast, so many things appear on the wire and you're sitting there watching this and you're like wow good grief we've got to like factor this in man i didn't even really have time to do the deep dive that i normally do beforehand just to see about anything happening overnight and i felt that when i did the outline yesterday was that there was enough to talk about and if things change and there's so much going on as usual per covid so I don't know. It's just a lot of crazy things going on. It's hard to um, keep pace with all of this stuff. But hey, let's go. Let's 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 make it rock. A little slow today. Funny how I'm always using that excuse. There's so much going on this past weekend. It it uh, truly a treat to get all of uh, the sports that we're being bombarded with. I mean, so much to choose from Saturday, Sunday, even last night, having a Monday night game and a baseball playoff game. Fantastic stuff. Well, anyways, let's um, start rocking this and get with our COVID chronicles. Always something going on there. And hence, as I just said, you know, things you know that appear on the wire just saw this, that uh, CR7... Cristiano Ronaldo has been the latest Huawei profile athlete to test for COVID-19. Just saw this off the wire. I haven't had a chance to unpack it, but as you've heard me talk about in previous weeks with other big global stars as Neymar, Kylian Mbappe, Angel Di Maria, all coming down with the coronavirus, even Keeler Novice, you know, all these guys from PSG. You know, it's crazy with all of these uh, top-notch safeguards in place that we're still seeing athletes get it. I don't know whether it's from risky behavior or it's just that we've gotten to a point where we it just can't be contained. And, you know, seeing this happen, be really cu- curious to see what... Uh, contract tracing tells you but my gut feeling says yeah it's just you know it's been an ongoing problem and now that we're heading into the colder months especially you know in these in in these upper hemispheres then we're gonna have we're gonna continue to grapple with this um and the nfl obviously we had uh, three more Titans tested positive, right? And so the, the game is going to happen tonight, actually. Week five game with uh, Buffalo and Tennessee is going to be tonight. Uh, last count before Tennessee, we had a round of uh, negative tests over the past couple of days. They had 24 positive cases within the organization. 
you know, I guess the league is looking into that uh, even when they were supposed to be quarantined, they went out and had a workout at a school, and then nobody knows whether they were in mask or whatever the case may be. But uh, because teams have had to move their schedules, and I think if you've seen the uh, picture that they posted on Twitter, I believe it was, of all the logistical moving around of bias and stuff, you know, it's, it's, you know, it's an inconvenience. I know that Ben Roethlisberger complained about that last week, and I think other teams are going to get aggravated as well as far as their planning goes and scouting. Definitely uh, side with the folks that fill penalties and draft picks. Forfeit games might be a bit harsh there, but I don't see a problem with... Uh, Hitting hard, I mean, draft picks. There ain't no money these teams can afford, even with the hit that they're taking. They sell enough gear and do enough other stuff. But, you know, you hit them with a draft pick, something like that, or something more punitive, that might put a stop to at least COVID uh, outbreaks that are brought about by reckless behavior. Right, because, I mean, I'm not going to sit here and, and be... Um, you know, Joe High Holy on this, that it can, that an outbreak can happen in lots of particular ways. It, you know, it all points to that, but it only probably takes one or two people, and given the proximity that these people are in, when you're talking about a professional sports team, especially football with the, all the moving parts, yeah, one or two people in, in the proximity, and it could spread like wildfire. Um. So the game, that game with the Buffalo, Tennessee, has been moved to tonight. This is Tuesday, as far as when I'm recording this. The Pat, the Patriots, Denver game has been moved to Week Six. Yeah, crazy stuff there. We also saw uh, Las Vegas Raiders defensive tackle Maurice Hurst has tested positive for COVID. The Jets had a positive COVID test for a player, and they sent all their players home on Friday. But obviously. That was a scare. They were able to play Sunday. I'll get to that in the wrap-ups. Um, something to keep an eye on. Uh, last week, as we were talking about, with KC in New England, the Jets had, uh, not, I mean, New England, <laughs> Stephen Gilmore, he tested positive for COVID. And as you probably saw the pictures during the week, he gave Patrick Mahomes, the face of the league, a hug. And so far, everything's been good with Mahomes, but the fact that uh, the Patriots closed their facility after positive tests, and as I've said, their game with Denver has been moved to week six, moving the buys around, and I think their facility's reopened. Uh, the Bears and Chiefs also had positive tests, but not to the, positive tests, but not to the point where their games had to be canceled. Uh, we also saw that L.A., in Colorado, were postponed. This is LAFC, I should say, in soccer. Excuse me. A little bit slow here today. But the MLS had a couple of matches. In fact, Colorado has already had its match with LAFC and the Galaxy postponed. I think yesterday the league came out and said that and their next three matches will be postponed as well. I'm not sure how you're going to... When you start talking about three or four matches, I mean, let's see here. Um... I know that, um, but the, 
MLS Cup Final is scheduled to be, I believe, December 12th, a Saturday. So there's a lot of things going to be going on in that day, as we'll be hearing here momentarily. Not sure without uh, taxing the other teams that, once again, have to inconvenience themselves by playing multiple games in, uh, in a week, right? A, 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 con a congested window of fixtures, especially getting down here. Given these teams have already been subjected to being in a bubble, you know, for the MLS's back tournament, it's a problem. And I'm not sure how MLS is going to work it. Fortunately, Colorado hasn't been world beaters as far as affecting the standings, but they know the, that the teams that they play, these points could matter. So it's kind of a messy situation and kind of a forewarning. I think, to um, the other leagues. I mean, we've seen it a little bit in baseball, and you know, that's why the playoffs were moved to a bubble situation, why the NBA was able to pull theirs off without a hitch. And this is, you know, what you're seeing, bubble versus non-bubble. Big thing. We've brought it up week after week. Anyway... So aside from you know what's going on with uh, the Colorado Rapids with the with uh, the turmoil there and what it's causing that uh, Columbus and Orlando City were postponed and so were Dallas and Minnesota. So you know once again the COVID report it's never getting shorter. In fact, I'm getting the feeling that it's as I was saying last week it's really starting to throw some serious body blows and it, the fact of what it can do to uh, any of our institutions, when we're talking sports here, whether it's at the college level or the professional level, uh, it's, it's potential to wreak havoc and basically short-circuit a season. It, you know, the NFL is walking on eggshells. MLB was on eggshells. And, you know, like I said, the NBA was pretty successful. And I start to worry about what I'm seeing in MLS as well. Anyhow... We'll keep, you know, tabs on the on COVID. We'll talk a little bit more about it when I get to the 43,000 foot above campus. But right now, let's, let's let me dive into my NFL report here real quick. Let's see here. You know, we're always kind of changing things up, trying not to keep the the same trajectory. You know, so anyway, with that said, let's talk about Tom Brady's middle meltdown on Thursday Night Football. What did you think about that? You know, I'm sure it's already a, a legendary meme, holding up the four fingers, not knowing what down it was. Do we dare say that uh, TB12 looked a little old? You know, I don't really want to go there. Uh, right? Uh, he is old. No mistake about it. I was watching Drew Brees last night. Looked old as well. But are these guys still capable field generals? We're not even talking about somebody just managing the game, but a field general that knows how to get due to the finish line. I think we've already seen that with Brady this year. We saw it with Breeze last night. Um, I think for Brady haters, which you probably put myself in that category, even though I do have the highest uh, admiration for what he has done on the field over the last 20 years or so, 20 plus years, whatever it's been. So yeah, I'm not, maybe it's not been that long. I can't, I don't know. But yeah, I guess it's been 20. Anyway, 
Yeah, I, I I hold them in the highest regard as far as them. It's just like everybody, Joe Montana before him, you just get jealous of the guy stacking up all the rings. So, in the meanwhile, Brady has this meltdown. Chicago comes up with an upset, and they're 4-1. Are they for real, or are they fool's gold? Well, considering that Foles has not looked good in a situation where they put Mitch Tabris- <laughs> Mitchell Trubisky on the bench. Ooh, try to say that one three times. Um, I would say they're fool's gold. I mean, obviously, when you've got guys like Khalil, Khalil Mack on defense, you know, stone cold ballers. Um, they, it's a, it's an interesting team. I've seen them. Most of their games, or I've watched, you know, uh, significant chunks of them. And I don't know what to say. I don't really feel they're legit in, in, a, in a way that I don't feel Cleveland is either. But at 4-1, you're in the driver's seat, and you're playing good football. You know you're going to have your share of winnable games. And when you're 4-1, you're, you're definitely in a good, I mean, you're definitely in a good spot. So I'm gonna hold judgment as far as what I what I th- what I think of Chicago. I mean the quarterback position kind of it's a big question mark still for me as far as you know can are they gonna get stable play, be able to put up points, and maintain where they're at? Um, but we shall see. Beating Tampa Bay, which everybody you know well not everybody. But if you listen to Skip Bayless, you'd almost be convinced that way because he's just always spouting how great Tampa Bay is. And even when I was watching um, Get Up this morning on ESPN, you know, all the praise about Tampa. Yeah, the Saints don't look that good, okay? Let's, Let's be real for here. All right. What else is going on? Well, 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 you knew this was going to happen sooner or later. Arthur Blank, he's a patient man. Very patient. Well, I don't know. He owns the Falcons, obviously, and he, his other successful uh, brand, the Atlanta United, the Five Stripes. And he's basically watched both teams go, just go to poo. But let's talk about the Falcons. As Dan Quinn and the general manager, Mr. D., They've been sent packing. Um, this is one of those situations where you really can't make a good case. Uh, a defensive-minded coach blowing up his team's blowing up scoreboards. Team can't hold on the leads. A team that once looked very formidable, just in the Super Bowl of the Patriots a couple of years ago, really looks old tired and slow in the context of today's NFL. And, you know, they have Julio Jones and, I don't know, you just look at this Falcons team and as watching them get tossed around like a rag doll, you know, against Carolina, which obviously only has one loss to the Raiders, so maybe we should be keeping an eye on them. Um... Yeah, choking that Super Bowl was one thing, but just kind of watching uh, the, the previous weeks, obviously a Dallas game, and who knows, we'll, you know, we'll talk about that in a second. 
Um, yeah, right. I this this Carolina game I thought was more disturbing. I thought it was a winnable game for Atlanta. Uh, the collapses, uh, not being able to stop anybody, just do not look like a team that's in the upper echelon anymore. And obviously, at zero and five, you're not in the upper echelon, and that's when people usually are shown the door. With Bill O'Brien before that, I mean, I think this case, same same story. I mean, I guess you don't really ever overcome choking a Super Bowl that way, building up Tom Brady's legend. I mean, yeah, it's been a little while now, but it hasn't been that long. And uh, also, let's see here. You know that we, I'm sure, if you. Watch the Talking Heads in the morning, or Sports Center, or the various. Hard to get away from what happened uh, with Dak Prescott in a game against the New York Giants. It breaks his ankle, kind of sending things in semi chaos. But I have to wonder. I mean, really gruesome stuff. I was sitting there watching the game. This is kind of after watching my WFT, which I'll talk about in a second. It was kind of uh, watching out of the corner of my eye, multiple games on TV, and I'm sitting there watching Dak, and he just has this weird look on his face, and just there was just something wrong about the picture. And the more I looked at it, obviously, the gruesome injury. But, uh, yeah, what a bad break, especially him playing under the franchise tag and people talking as Dallas going to do right by them. Is this a chance for Dallas to get out and make a play for somebody else? Or maybe, you know, Andy Dalton gets the job done on the cheap. A lot of uh, storylines emanating from this major injury that's occurred to Dak Prescott. Uh, we wish Dak well. They're seeing four to six month recovery. You know, best, you know, like I said, best wishes to him. Hope to see him get paid and be back on the field. And that's coming from a Washington football team fan. But nobody ever wants to see that happen, especially to one of the bright young faces of the game. Crazy weekend. Um, you know, I was just talking about the firings. I guess one thing that did come out, which I guess I didn't, I failed to mention last week, about O'Brien getting fired down in Houston. Apparently, his goose was cooked when him and the Mr. Citizen, Mr. You know, Man of the Year, J.J. Watt, and, and uh, O'Brien had a very heated exchange. And I guess that sent a message to uh, the man upstairs, Mr. McNair's son, that, uh, nah, man, you've lost the team. You know, if you've got J.J. yelling you out, yelling at you, I should say, you know, it's probably time for you to go. NFL, no shortage of storylines early on. I told you about that fight last week with Ramsey and uh, Golden Tate over, you know, some interfamily baby drama or baby mama drama or something like that. Anyways, NFL decided to um, lighten those pockets by about 16K. You know, not jump change. I'm sure he's not happy about having to cough that up. All right, so what else do we got here? Well, one thing, you know, I try not to make this about the teams that I that I like. And I know when you, I don't... Team, <laughs> let's not stumble through it there, Ken. 
So I try not to make this about the teams I like and come across as a homer that uses this podcast to, you know, talk about my teams because nobody else wants to listen. It just so happens that good and bad teams that I like happen to always be in the news. They're just not the reason why I picked these teams was just the way it goes in life sometimes that the, the teams I do like are very high profile. And even though they've been garbage now for a generation, somehow the Washington football team is always making news. And this is with, with uh, the benching of Dwayne Haskins in favor of Kyle Allen. Um, I wouldn't normally talk about this, but this made a lot of airwaves because the benching of Haskins got Twitter ablaze to the point where a man of many opinions, especially when it comes to matters of race and the woke sports athletes versus the the well, the woke sports athletes and woke sports media, you know, versus the, those of us with common sense. Um, Jason Whitlock, yeah, right, even had took time to comment on Haskins being benched because there's some folks that felt this was very racist and another example of teams not being patient with black quarterbacks. And, you know, when I thought about this narrative for a minute, cause I, being a fan of this team for many years, as I've said on numerous occasions, ain't nothing racist about this. I mean, let's, let's go back to the owner, Dan Snyder. Snyder, because of the large African-American population in D.C., He's always fancied a black quarterback. It's why he drafted Jason Campbell. It's why he drafted R.G. Me. This is, and I'm, Haskins, being a kid that his son went to school with, is, is enamored. He wants that. He's a marketing guy, and he sees this as you know that if he can you know get his black messiah right, it's going to be a gold mine. And this is the way the guy thinks, and this is why we continue to not be good. But yeah, I mean you know watching the people sticking up for this guy and I don't even get it. I'm not even going to try to rationalize it for half a second. Watch Justin Herbert last night and that should tell you all you need to know. Okay. Whew. But yeah, this, this whole idea of uh, this being racist. Kid's not good. Um, he's about, I guess, a year of starts under his belt now. And said, when you watch these guys like Justin Herbert, Kyler Murray, Jackson, Watson, and you look at Haskins, and he's a project still. Hey, I was rooting for the guy. I and mean, I think this whole idea that we're benching him because we have a chance to win the division because it is garbage. Yeah, well, well, we saw that. We'll get to that in a second. In fact, let us do some recaps since we've been sitting here babbling for a while. I already talked about Tampa Bay and Chicago with the Bears getting a very shocking win. So, so Washington and the Rams. So we got to see Kyle Allen, who got knocked out pretty early, and then the feel-good story of the week I mean, pretty much had the, the media, sports media, just weeping and all these people screaming about, oh, my God, I was going to vomit and how heroic it was. Yes, it was fantastic to see Alex Smith back there on the field. 
and you know, but all this, you know, hanky ringing and getting on the soapbox, it was just too much to handle. Guy, the doctor cleared him to play. He wants to be out there and compete. Team obviously owes him a lot of money, so go ahead, knock your socks off. But this is, you know, this is what he does. Man, they don't feel like they would put him out there if they really felt he was at risk. Now, if they known the line was going to be so porous, maybe they'd have a second thoughts. And this idea where Ron Rivera not wanting to put Kyle Allen back in the game, so he'd take another hit. So the guy with one leg gets to take all the hits. I mean, what? They sacked him, what, seven, eight times? Um, yeah, it, it, it was just ugly. It's just really an indictment. It's a great story to see Alex back on the field. Don't get me wrong. You know, uh, profile and courage, true. I just really feel bad that our line is so garbage. I mean, what, between the two of them, they had maybe 130 yards passing on like 30 attempts. I mean, just dreadful. Anyway, Rams looking, looking pretty solid. Washington football team, not so much. Uh, Steelers and the Eagles had a fantastic game. Steelers obviously getting out to a big start, uh, best start since, what, 79 when they also won the Super Bowl. Saw the interview uh, at uh, the, the Fox pregame where Big Ben and, and uh, Bradshaw were breaking bread. Now, Know that those two have had some uh, bad blood. You know, for Bradshaw calling uh, Big Ben out for some of his early misdeeds, but you can see that they have learned to break bread. That was some a nice thing to see, and kind of like resonates with the uh, good feeling in the Still City. They found themselves another wideout. Seems like whoever you know the scouting guys going back to Bill Nunn and, and who's ever doing it now. Man, they're on it. I mean, I just a t. I mean, right. Just talking about Washington, and you know, back in the day, we had good whiteouts. Maybe, but now, not like these guys who just go one after the other, and they're all amazing. When you can let Antonio Brown walk because you know you have Schuster and you have this kid that just came out of the woodwork here, and it's just yeah, it's amazing to to see you know that Big Ben's always got these really good targets great size great hands great athleticism it's fantastic but Steelers are rolling as we talked about Dallas and the Giants Andy Dalton comes off the bench and yeah I know Andy Dalton's got a really poor playoff record but good this is the regular season and maybe somebody managing the game that's not going to turn the ball over will allow Dallas to take control of that division Right now, it's just god-awful. might be the worst in the NFL history. Sure, sure looking that way right now. But Dallas gets the win. Giants and Danny Dimes, looking bad. And so they'll be playing the Redskins this week. Talk about the Bay of Pigs. Miami and San Francisco. San Francisco, benching Jimmy G. You know, Kyle Shanahan, benching Jimmy G. You know, Jimmy G, who we're always talking about, but there's, there's more tape. I don't want to say he's getting exposed, 
But he sort of like trailed off the radar, right? Obviously, both those legend being Brady's backup, and that elevated him, right? Jacoby Brissett, same same story. Great system over there for people who think it was just about Brady. That that Belichick guy knows how to put together a staff. Always was a smart guy. Going back to his days with the Giants. Believe me, I believe me, I know. Guy owned us, and the Redskins were good back then. So. You know, seeing him, you know, the whole thing with Jimmy G, though, system quarterback that now is you know, trying to carry the franchise, not looking so well. I know that he's got a high ankle spring, so I think his mobility definitely is a, was, was an issue there. But to get kind of yanked, I think it's an injury thing. But keep an eye on that. I mean, it's it, He may be exposed a little bit, and I'm not sure if the Niners are going to be happy with committing all that money and making him the guy, because he may not be there. A little early to say. Um, talked about Carolina and Atlanta. Carolina looking good, kind of a surprise team very early. You know, lost to the Raiders, but otherwise they've been getting the W's. They beat the Chargers. You know, kind of want to see them play one of the, you know, tougher teams, you know. We'll see how that goes. But right now, I like what I I mean, it's hard to argue as far as they're kind of one of the, a major surprise. Uh, the Jets, complete dumpster fire. I don't know when are they going to fire this gay's guy. It's just, yeah. <laughs> right? As I said last week, just a total Gotham nightmare. Uh, Cincinnati. Burrow came back to, to reality. You know, as long as the Ravens aren't playing the Chiefs, Ravens are pretty formidable. Said that all along. They look good beating my Washington football team. And this is sitting cool Joe to reality. That was a total butt whooping. And I think one of the shockers of the week, uh, the Las Vegas Radars going into Arrowhead and getting the W. Raiders bringing back the vertical game somewhere. Al Davis was looking down and saying, yeah, that's what I like. Yeah, I mean, there was definitely, it, it, it being, I don't, I'm not buying into the Raiders. We've talked about this already. But they do have some big play aspects about them. They've got some guys who get some ballers on that squad. Got some guys, as they say, in the vernacular of our times, making plays. You know, right? Yeah. Very exciting stuff. You know that the Chiefs have owned them in recent years for the Raiders to go into Kansas City and get a big W. A major, 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 major feather in Chucky's cap. Uh, hope to see the Raiders continue to do some very good things. Um, let's see here. What else do we have? Uh, Houston, Jacksonville. Yeah, okay. <laughs> Romeo Cornell, oldest coach ever at 73 years old. Gets a W. Hope that uh, he can get uh, Houston going in the right direction as far as they look for you know a coach to guide them down the road. A lot of talent on that team in spite of the people they made, the superstars they gave away. You know, they don't really strike me as a team that's one and four, but that's who they are. Uh, Jacksonville, yeah, you're 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 in the Lawrence sweepstakes. This Cleveland Indianapolis game, uh, Cleveland, you know, like Chicago. I'm not necessarily sure I want to buy in. They didn't really impress me when uh, Washington went there a couple of weeks ago. Had it been 
Haskins playing Santa Claus. Cleveland would have lost that game. Indianapolis, we've been talking about Philip Rivers. He tired, honey. He just tired. And I think the Colts, even though they have a pretty decent defense, yeah, you're not going you're not going far with that guy. You know, six and ten, seven and nine, maybe eight and eight if you get lucky. Might string enough, you know, wins in the way that weird division works and catch somebody and, you know, one of the, the NFC teams napping. But, yeah, I wasn't liking what I saw. All right. So, the Sunday night special, we had Minnesota and Seattle in an absolute thriller. I know people are on Zim's case. and They could have solved the game away, kicking a field goal. I won't say solved the game away, but... Raised Seattle's degree of difficulty as far as getting the win. Could have caused some problems there. They went for it on fourth and short. They weren't able to pick up the first down. And as they say, let Russ cook. Russ, who didn't necessarily have an extraordinary game, but he was on fire when he needed to be, as we like to say in Lakerland, winning time. And boy, was he ever. And the Seahawks etched out another exciting win. And yeah, they're they're rolling. And right now, I would say, let Russ cook. He's the MVP. You know, we got a long ways to go, but uh, the guy's balling. And if they're in striking reach at the end of the game, yeah, wouldn't bet against the guy. Very impressive stuff. We're talking about the San Diego and New Orleans. We'll bring that up again. So, Justin. As Alec and I talked about, I brought it up, and I mean, I kid you not, I talked to you know he was at Oregon. You know, obviously we were in Eugene, and I got to watch every pretty much every snappy duck. I thought from day one that man, this guy is a NFL uh, prototype. This guy's in terms of you know the more athletic quarterbacks, but somebody who can move very well and has the NFL body that. GMs, coaches, and owners, you know, dream about. And that kid's like, you know, 4.06 in mechanical engineering. Smart guy all around. You know, grew up in the shadow of Eugene, you know, and, and, you know, in the athletic community. So, yeah, the guy's just got good roots. But just you watch him and the way he handles himself, the throws that he can make, the way he moves around. Uh, yeah, he's incredible. I'm a little concerned that his teams are right are finding ways to give him L's. And why I say I'm concerned, because people will get to, well, it's not him. He's got to figure out, you know, that, that getting that one or two extra plays in a game that ensures they get the Ws. And maybe that's on the coaching, but just something about... I'm not liking the, the hard luck stories that are coming out of this early, right? I mean, they only have one win, and the kids played well enough to have won all those games. So, anyway, keep an eye on him. Everybody's fawning on him. All I'm saying is some of us saw that, you know, long before that, you know, Mariota, Joey. Now this guy's like light years ahead of him. I mean, and, you know, he got hurt early on. Got hurt trying to do a, he went upright on a quarterback sneak at the goal line against Berkeley, which year it was. 
But ever after that injury, as we talked about a few weeks ago, they put him in shrink wrap. And you got glimpses over time, but never enough to uh, get into a rhythm. And now you're seeing this guy in a pro offense and like, wow, you know, the Ducks had really turned this guy loose. I think they'd have a national championship right now. And you're seeing it, especially down at that level. But, uh, you know, I mean, they tried to protect him, and it's paying off for the Chargers is all I can say. But I think the Ducks could have won a national championship. All right, I don't know how this segment, those these two segments ended up being extended like that. You know how it goes once you start talking. Anyways, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back in a little bit. Welcome back. Can't figure out which sledder to use. It's that kind of Tuesday. Just uh, quiet. Definitely missing uh, the last run of the playoffs where we had games on this early on in the daytime. Now the fewer games, it gets pushed to later in the day. But uh, we're looking forward to seeing the Dodgers and the Braves in game two of a couple of hours. Meanwhile, let's talk about the 43,000-foot view above campus. Like uh, the COVID report earlier, I have to say that not as much activity as we're seeing, but I think there's so much going on on these campuses and trying to keep the, the lid on disclosing the amount of positive tests. That said, we see that the legendary Les Miles at Coach Kansas he tested positive for COVID. Is in isolation. My buddy, CWT, Coach Willie Taggart, he reports that 18 players and nine staffers have tested positive for COVID at Florida Atlantic. Come on, honestly, it has been for all CWT, huh? <laughs> you go from <laughs> USF, Oregon, FSU, back for yeah. Anyway, these 18 positive tests mean that Florida Atlantic's game with Southern Miss this Saturday is off. And so is uh, SEC game, Vandy and Masseau. Not enough, but not enough players available for the Commodores due to COVID. Game's supposed to be rescheduled on 12-12. We also have Oklahoma State and Baylor scheduled for this Saturday being moved to 12-12 as well. As I was saying earlier, a lot of stuff going on 12-12. I have a feeling that's kind of one of the target dates that they're having before they need to set up the national playoff and things. You probably see a lot of stuff happening on 12-12 in addition to the MLS Cup that I mentioned earlier. I thought one of the interesting things coming out of last week was Florida it's coach yeah Mullen complaining about wanting a full crowd after watching his Gators lose to A&M and seeing that the fans were a major factor at least in his mind why the Gators lost to the Aggies uh, another interesting thing going on at campus you know 
we're going to miss this guy up in Pullman. I mean, he brought a lot of color. I mean, it gave fans here in Eugene, Duck fans, uh, all kinds of uh, agitation. But uh, Rick Le Mike Leach being in, in, in Starkville or Stark Vegas, he wants to purge the MSU program of all malcontents after the latest loss. As you all know, that they started out the season with a shocker winning in Death Valley. And then they've looked pretty shabby since then, only scoring two points in their latest loss on Saturday, which prompted Leach to come out and say he wants to purge his team of malcontents. See, I think, you know, you can get away with being eccentric in places like Lubbock and Pullman. Um, and maybe in, in Starkville you can do it as well, but it is the SEC and you have to wonder... How long can he get away with? And then can, 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 can he get the brothers to buy into this kind of stuff? Then, you know, obviously he's seeing something that he doesn't like when he, when he starts calling out, you know, malcontents this early in his tenure. But, yeah, you expect uh, a lot of guys to get frustrated and probably walk away from that program. Be interested to see how it plays. You know, given what we know about... Uh, the relationship with coaches and players is sort of being redefined. We'll get we'll get to more of that in a second. So what happened on the field? You know, right? Not a lot of COVID talk for once, which is kind of good. Uh, not a lot of social justice stuff to talk about at the moment. Even though I do, I can say that uh, coach at Texas definitely wants to revisit the eyes of Texas, as we talked about on previous episodes about the African-American student-athletes not liking that, uh, you know, it was in one of those kind of shows, right, where you have blackface troop and all the other great racial imagery. Um, yeah, I'm, I guess focusing on that probably might help uh, him forget about his team's defense on Saturday. Let's, let's talk about that. In fact, that was probably the marquee matchup on Saturday, at least the most fun to watch. The Red River shootout, you know, pitting OU against number 22, Texas, as OU, with its recent losses, had fallen out of the top 25. Oh, what a great game. Four OTs. Uh, OU's quarterback was benched. You know, Texas quarterback basically told everybody to hop on on my back, and I'll try to carry you. Uh, fucking four overtimes, a lot of big plays, <clears throat> not a lot of defense. But that's where we are as far as if you look at the scores over the weekend. But yeah, OU definitely knocking off Texas. A big win for them. Uh, Herman at Texas. I think there's some folks now looking around the room because what was that? Probably OU's fourth win in the last five as far as that rivalry is concerned. Folks are like, hey, dude, we brought you down here, you know, to depart the sea. And that's not quite happening down there. Proud program that really wants to get back on the upper echelon, and Herman's not really getting it done. Um, Bama at Ole Miss, another great game. What did it end up being? 63-48. Not a lot of defense there. And I'd like to see, you know, Lane Kevin 
Gibbon, Bama, everybody, Nick Saban fits. Very competitive game. And well, it may not have been the marquee matchup. I thought this may have been the upset of the day, the game. But I just mentioned about Coach Mullen being upset about the the crowd giving A and M a boost. But 21, 20, 21st ranked A and M upset number four ranked Florida, which said that probably would be the upset of the week. It was like forty one thirty eight. Another fantastic game. A lot of big plays there. Very exciting. Uh, one of the games that I thought uh, was supposed to be a marquee matchup with number one Clemson and number seven Miami going at it in an ACC battle. All the talk that the U, the U, the U is back. Well, not so fast. Clemson showed it was an elite. <laughs> I mean, yeah, very bizarre game, but... Miami's kind of proven they're not quite ready for prime time quite yet. 42-17. Notre Dame took care of Florida State. It was a little bit closer than I thought, or at least Florida State's now showing some signs of life post-Willie. Uh, number eight, North Carolina continues to, to impress. They beat 19th-ranked Virginia Tech. And another no-defense affair, 56-45. Is it, you know... That we you can't touch anybody anymore, and you're basically playing flag or seven on seven. I don't know. Um, uh, what was a another shocking moment? Missouri beating LSU and basically kicking LSU out of the top twenty-five. Uh, number thirteen Auburn had a scare with Arkansas, where Arkansas program that was. Basically, on life support in that conference is now looking pretty lively. Very good stuff there. Georgia doubled up Tennessee. Yeah, number eight, North Carolina. Really shocking there. I mean, they said ACC's trying to step its game up. Uh, really curious. I brought this up in previous weeks. How these teams beating the crap out of each other right now and you're having unexpected losses. What does that do for the two conferences that have not started to play yet? Pac-12 and Big Ten. If you're Oregon and Ohio State, you're sitting there, you know, putting that emoji up where the guy's grabbing his chin like going, hmm. I mean, it's hard to say whether it hurts or helps. I would think if these teams could avoid the pitfalls that you're seeing already with top 25 teams, that you that they have they could jockey themselves for a, a slot in those uh one of the four slots for the for the national playoff. Great stuff. So outside of the gridiron, you know, which going back to this whole thing about coaches and players, that Wichita State's looking into allegations that men's basketball coach Greg Marshall has been physically and verbally abusive, you know, during his tenure at the school, punching players, choking them, and. I mean, as he says, that his type of coaching is not for everybody. Hello, we keep saying this on this show. You can't get away with that anymore. This old school, tough guy, Barney badass with with with, with the attitude and being paternalistic. These kids aren't buying that, and. You know, I hate to say it, but I, I, by the time this decade's over, 
that kind of behavior is not going to be tolerated. You can say what you want about getting away from the old school and people becoming too snowflakes, whatever. Point being is, you know, being, a, being you know, for physically and verbally abusive to student athletes or any athletes at this point, you know, especially when you're not getting paid, it's just not going to be tolerated. And the sooner these guys get with the program, the longer they'll be able to build on the purse. Otherwise, you're going to find yourselves out of the job. Because I think this guy is going to probably get shown the door if it's, you know, if it can be, you know, that it can be proven. And there's enough uh, stink as far as how nasty these allegations are, you know, and it sticks. Yeah. So another interesting story coming out of college since we are, you know, 43,000 feet above. And this kind of, you know, takes on something that I have a little interest in, being a alum of a school in the Big West Conference. That's right. Give it up for the BWC. All the schools gave up football, so I don't get to talk too much about football. More, it's more reserved for the hardwood. But, you know, I, I, I'm at Cal State Northridge, Matadors alum. Go Mats. Always got to get that in there whenever I can. But Hawaii... Uh, one of the conference member schools, and it is, is talking about its dilemma as far as how, how they're going to play basketball this year in our conference. You know, given that the, the amount of quarantining that should happen when you travel from states, you know, that these regulations that were always going to be a roadblock. I was just like reading this article on ESPN the other day. And I was sitting there thinking about that, that they, something I really haven't considered, a school like Hawaii, that most of its competitions on the mainland, and then the teams that need to go up there, you know, how do you, how is this quarantine, you know, going to work? Because I think with Hawaii, I think it's 10 to 14 days. Not sure what it is in, you know, California. We've got Utah. we got lots of, we got different states in this conference. And I'm sure the restrictions are going to be different. I know that as far as Hawaii, getting back to home base after they've got on the road, can't see them, you know, being a complete road team. But I'm wondering, how is it going to work out when teams are going there to the island? And, you know, what's, how, how is that going to play? You're going to say they have to take a bye for, a, for, for 10 days before they play, isolated. Stay tuned. I'm going to be really curious to see how that plays out. So let's talk about what's going on in the world of other sports, or perhaps something you should probably know. I'm uh, gonna give our WNBA plug one more time. Always gonna give them the ladies a little love. What we can tell you is that Seattle behind Brianna Stewart and Sue Bird's stellar play, they won the NBA championship sweep. Take care of Las Vegas Aces, no problems. Congratulations, ladies. Hope you're enjoying the bubbly and all the things to come with it. Job well done. <coughs> um, as far as tennis goes, we don't give tennis enough love here unless we're talking about, you know, one of the Grand Slam events. There's a French Open just wrapped up. Rafael Nadal wins his 13th French Open, tying Roger Federer for 20 uh, champ major championships, Grand Slams. 
pretty impressive. I think we have to have, you know, an interesting conversation. Look at one of my tennis um, experts to settle the whole thing. Who's better, Federer or Nadal? I kind of, because Federer did it on more services and that most of Nadal's are at first, I meant 13. So, but pretty dominant nonetheless. Congratulations to him. Props, major, major, major props. We see that Chase Elliott on the track and the hybrid course at Charlotte uh, basically won in the, in the Cup Chase playoffs. And, uh, and the main news from, coming from that is that defending champ, Kyle Busch, has been sent packing. The first time that he's not been, you know, in the decider rounds in quite some time, if the way I remember it. And also in motorsports, we will also note for the F1 crowd that Lewis Hamilton's win in the German Grand Prix ties him with Michael Schumacher as far as career wins with 91 over the weekend. Kudos to you as well. Big, 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 big props for all the, all the folks who have set some standards. Job well done, for sure. So, uh, you know what? I'm going to take a little break before I give a quick talk about the beautiful game outlook and the segment full of diamonds. See you in a moment. Welcome back. Oh, my, 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 my. Yeah. The international break, as we like to say, one of my least favorite weekends of the world. But funnily, because we have so much other stuff going on, it's okay. And I, it doesn't, you know, you know, kill me as bad. We had MLS. But, you know, obviously with the international break going on, no club ball. Let's start again. Friday, can't wait. As far as like the friendlies go, uh, Mexico beat the Netherlands in a 1-0 game. Watch that. France slaughtered UK Ukraine as the superstars put on a clinic. Germany and Turkey played to a 3-3 draw. Uh, as far as the uh, Nations League go, uh, the UEFA Nations League that's going on in Europe, which everybody keeps an eye on as far as all the soccer hardcores. Uh, what would be a note, England beat Belgium, which has been on a roll. Poland and Italy played to a scoreless tie, and as, as France and Portugal played. You know, obviously, maybe, who knows the, the, the connection there as far as CR7 coming down with COVID. Uh, so the, let's see what happened since we had nothing to talk about with the club, you know, international, well... But we had a lot to talk about in the MLS as we had matches on Wednesday and Saturday, in spite of the ones that were caught, that were, um, excuse me, canceled. I can tell you that on Wednesday, Orlando City and Atlanta played to a draw. Portland beat the Galaxy in a gold fest. Uh, Inter Miami starting to really show its stuff. You know, now that the Wagon brothers are linked together, uh, they took care of uh, Red Bull New York. Montreal shocked Columbus. Like I said, Toronto now leads the, the Eastern Conference after they beat New England. New York City 
took care of DC United, which I keep telling you is really shocking how bad they've been. You know, there was no LAFC. Seattle took care of uh, Real Salt Lake. Uh, and Sporting Kansas City kept up its form by taking care of Chicago. Over the weekend, Portland won its fifth straight. They beat San Jose. Uh, I think what was really impressive was shorthanded LAFC, my boys, the black and gold, took care of Seattle 3-1. Danny Mashofsky coming up big, ended up being the MLS Player of the Week. Big kudos for Big Danny there. And in Miami, once again, took care of Houston, keep an eye on them. So, you know, with uh, some of the talent they've brought over and starting to gel, be a very tough out come playoff time, especially if they keep rocking the wins up. Yeah, I, I like what uh, Beckham has done. And I, he's only getting started as far as that project is concerned, but way cool. Um, you know, New York City is another team to keep your eye on, even though, you know, beating D.C. United at this point, not much of a feat, but New York City wrapping things, I mean, starting to rack the wins up. Atlanta, the five stripes, losing to Red Bull New York. So, uh, Sporting Kansas City looked good in the Sunday night, beating Nashville. And then Philadelphia quietly lurking as well. I think as far as the MLS Cup playoffs are concerned, it's going to be very exciting. Very exciting. Um, no clear-cut favorite here right now. And I think with LAFC getting Vela back, I like what Portland's doing, just like the MLS tournament. They're kind of lurking, putting the victories together. I think with Blanc losing Blanco may hurt them, but they've got a lot of depth and they're playing very well. Five in a row. Definitely better keep an eye out on them. And Seattle, it's hard to, to, to gauge much with people gone on international duty. And I mean, obviously, LAFC had quite a few people gone. You know, with Rossi and B-Raj, and they don't have Vela. So, yeah, it's going to be wide open depending on who's, you know, and who's fit and who's playing a top form. But I think we're going to have exciting playoffs. I know it's a boo-hoo-hoo from all the, Euro, you know, the Europhile MLS fans that whine, well, if it was a proper league, you win the league, it would be done with, and, you know, this whole playoff thing. I think it's fantastic. And as I've said previously, I think Europe's over here looking at that like, hmm, what if we adopt the same thing? Well, I mean, Champions League is, is, is a playoff, and I don't see anything wrong with it. I know all these people say that, you know, it, it cheapens it. No, if you're that good, you should be able to dominate in the playoffs as well if you're truly the class of the league. Not that big of a deal, but you know you're a files. And the fact is, you just get really cranky when you win the Supporters' Shield and realize that you have to go fight for the, the cup that supposedly matters. Well, anyways, all right, let's jump over to a, a segment full of diamonds as we're still rocking at, at the one-hour mark. Well, 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 the Dodgers, despite shaky pitching, and then they, uh, the ultimate route in game three, they were able to sweep the Padres, you know, right? Which set up by, with their, their matchup with Atlanta, who I thought Miami was going to be more of a problem, was going to go on one of its historic runs, but Atlanta made quick work of them. So what does that mean? Atlanta and L.A. played last night. 
right? You know, the NLCS. Oh, I was doing like a little practice segment for a little special I was doing, and I talked about this game. And so I'm trying to not get too deep like I did in that piece. But, you know, the Dodgers. Now, great, great game, you know, for eight innings. <laughs> if you're a Dodger fan, which you know I am, 1-1 uh, game, you know, great pitching. And I was thinking that uh, Dodgers closed out the Padres 12-3. Y'all should save some of these runs for what it matters. And like last night was one of those games where the Dodger bullpen talked about Kenley Jansen just being a nightmare, obviously. You know, that game that, right, what was that, game two? You know, Kershaw, you know, sailing like he always does. The next thing you know, he gives up two dingers. Then Kinley Jansen's a mess. You know, fast forward to last night, but bullpen goes into the ninth, 1-1, and the roof caves in. The Braves score four runs, just real, real ugly. I think psychologically, you got to wonder how do the Dodgers bounce back. I know that if they can... It scratch out a winner or two the longer the series goes. The Dodgers have deeper pitching. That should help them out. But after a while, I saw them collapse last night. You know, I just am not feeling it. I said this before. And, you know, I'll get into this in a minute, you know, or in the next segment as far as, you know, where you know, I'm, I'm kind of at peace with the Dodgers and their playoff utility. I just saw that last night and was just, it, it, I wasn't shocked. I wasn't angry. Almost kind of. I'm always waiting for these things to happen with the Dodgers in the postseason, and you know they've had a history of this going back to 1941. Yeah, right. They had some success in 55, 59, you know, 63, and 65. Uh, it's funny because I'm just getting you know synchronicity over here. Alec Ford is uh, sending me a text on this very subject talking about her, about the Kershaw. Um, yeah, you know, they had success in the, uh, f you know, f obviously 50, 55 and 59, 63 and 65, you know, the 80s, 81 and 88. But they have a lot of failures in their history. And this is like right in the line. I think... This run right now is absolutely ridiculous because over the last decade and a half, they've been, you know, so successful and nothing, nothing to show for it. I don't know how they're getting such a pass for really, you know, being Choke City. You know, it it's, speaks for itself, I suppose. I don't need to really beat the drum too much. But, yeah, I didn't like what I saw last night. Um Anyways, it is what it is with those guys. Atlanta's tough, too. They haven't lost yet in the pro season. And that, you know, that's part of it. You know, they may slam the door in the Dodgers' hopes. So, what's going on on the other side? Well, the Tampa Bay Rays uh, base, out, outfought the Yankees. Very impressive. Won the series three games to two. Uh, the Yankees were, were kind of confident. And... Despite, you know, slugging their way through the second half of this shortened season, give it up for give it up to Tampa Bay. And on the other side, that uh, Houston put Oakland out of its misery. 
No, that doesn't do well for Ben C and other A's fans that I know. And the cheaters have moved on. And that series right now has been really interesting. The first game went off Sunday when there was so much going on in the finals. Uh, you know, obviously a lot going on in the NFL. And then that first game really uh, was buried in the weeds. But uh, Tampa Bay took that, and then they met yesterday afternoon. Got a little daytime baseball in. And you know what? Tampa Bay is up 2-0 on the cheaters. We'll see. I mean, you know, the, the cheaters have been pretty resilient. And so, but I don't think it's making anybody shut a tear that uh, Tampa is putting their hurt on. And, uh, yeah, what a story that would be, if Tampa being in the World Series, huh? You know, who, who, who saw that coming? <laughs> oh, my goodness. But, yeah, so, anyways, that's where we are as far as the playoffs go. It's, it, it's still early. Tampa's looking good. And the Dodgers, I think it's a most win. You got Kershaw going tonight. And you know it's always an adventure with him. I'm sure I'll be talking about it one way or the other on episode 20. Uh, some, you know, we also would say that the Chicago White Sox sacked their manager, Rick Rentriera. Obviously, making the playoffs for the White Sox uh, does not do enough for the brass. And uh, Renteria is sent packing. Uh, some very sad news Coming out of baseball, man, this has been a the toughest of falls as far as our icons that we grew up with. And, you know, first with uh, the chairman of the board, Whitey Ford, passed away at 91 last week. Uh, Ford, part of those great te Yankee teams as far as, you know, right from 40, basically after the war, but from 47 to 61. How many, I think they won it like nine times. Um, Whitey Hall of Famer, uh, great personality, beloved throughout the game. Uh, you know, truly a legend, right? Probably you know the last you know the last standing of that of those greats. You know, Mantle, Barra. Uh, yeah, definitely passing. And then obviously you know hits a lot closer for you know for me. Joe Morgan passed away yesterday at the age of seventy-seven. Yeah, you know right. The standard for second baseman when I was growing up, you know, right? Uh, just a big red machine. You played on the Astros before that, but the big red machine led them to titles in 75 and 76. Two-time MVP. Later went on to, to be a thorn for the, Giants, for the Dodgers when he was with the Giants. You know, obviously he teamed up with John Miller, and they were part of ESPN's broadcast team for many years. Another big ambassador to the game. I mean, it's just unreal that uh, the amount of baseball royalty we've lost in, what, the last maybe four to six weeks. I mean, you know, Bob Gibson, uh, Lou Brock, Tom Seaver, you know. Uh, yeah. Now Joe Morgan. I mean, I'm sure I'm leaving somebody out here. But, yes, this has not been a fun fall. All right. We'll be back with our final segment here shortly. Ha, ha, ha. 
See, I hadn't had a chance to look at what's going on the wire, and I totally missed that Clayton Kershaw has been scratched from tonight's uh, game two, which was actually this afternoon. It's going to be, what, uh, I believe, 2 o'clock Pacific time. But yeah, he's having back spasms, and he's had some issues with his back lately. But anyhow, and like I said, this is the first time they've actually happened before, you know, a a start. But he's had some back issues, and he's gonna he's gonna scratch tonight. And uh, Tony Gonsolin, a rookie, is gonna start in this place. So I don't know, homie. Uh wow. So let me see here. What else do we got here? I'm looking at the wire. Um, what seemed to be a slam dunk as far as the Clippers hiring uh, Ty Lu, that sources are saying now that uh, he's going to probably land in Houston. Hmm. I have to wonder how he's not impressing Mr. Bomber over there. Uh, you know, it's like if I'm sitting here watching the tube and. Uh, Watching how that how Justin Herbert got hurt last night. Well, not injured, but that kicker hitting the upright. You know, bad. You know, right. I just, I don't like I said. I wasn't picking picking on him when I was like going, yeah, he needs to make one more play so it doesn't fall on the kicker's hands. Or right, it just he's doing an incredible job. Is is, is what the point I I continue to make. And I knew he was going to to be this good. And I seriously, and yeah, right. Now just like watching that kick over again, I'm like, oh man, this kid's getting all the bad luck, right? Coaching decision to give the ball back to Mahomes, which was a mistake. Yeah, keep balling, keep balling, Justin. It's gonna happen. All right, so let's get to our final segment. All right, you all knew this was coming. I'm a hardcore Lakers fan, as you know, and, uh, you know, what really can I say other than when it comes to the Lakers, that's right, they won their 17th title, tying the Boston Celtics, after taking a commanding lead, 3-1 lead. Lakers lost a hard-fought game, game five, with that, where what I saw from the Heat, yeah, I saw some pretty heroic stuff. Not a hero ball, but just straight-up heroic stuff. I mean, they really battled. But, you know, I came away from that, and it was a long weekend for Laker fans. It really was. Um, we are lying if we, a shadow of doubt didn't creep in, but I think most of us, the ones we... Let sanity creep back in. And can I say it was a long weekend? Because it really was. But once sanity creeped in, he used so much energy and played so valiantly, you just knew they were not going to be able to have that same kind of energy. And as long as the Lakers just came in with a purpose of ending it and getting out of the bubble, this was going to be over. And that's exactly what it was. The game was pretty much over in the second quarter times when the lead blew it up to like 30 or whatever the heck it was. But yeah, it just, um, it was really amazing. So LeBron ends up winning the MVP, wins his title with three different teams. 
You know, all this talk about LeBron's legacy. Now, I told you at the start of all of this, he was going to do some superhero stuff because his legacy was on the line right now as far as where he is in his career, needing more titles to buffer his legacy. The King 6-0. You know, you want to argue about that? You can in terms of like this being what? LeBron's been nine of the last 10 finals. Doesn't quite have the record, you know, but nine out of the last 10 finals. That's some Bill Russell kind of stuff. And for those of you who, who devalue Bill Russell, I'm already questioning your basketball knowledge straight up. You know, talk to anybody who saw that guy play. The guy was a force. He'd be a factor in today's NBA. I'm telling you, that's not, you know, you don't win two titles at, at USF, come to the NBA and win 11 of 13. Wow, you know, being a player coach at the end, nah, man, anybody that slips on what that guy did is completely missing the boat, in my opinion. Um, he can't surpass Jordan, but I think in terms of when you talk about, you know, like the, like the, like the room they have with Augusta for Masters champions, LeBron's in the elite room. I mean, you know, he's sitting there talking with Magic, Kareem, Jordan. They're all sitting there talking. I mean, Jordan has his own, you know, penthouse where he's just like, yeah, that's right. And, you know, LeBron's not probably going to get there. I think that if he and AD were to string together, like, you know, three out of the next four, if he's got that much juice in the tank, we, we might revisit that conversation. I mean, I, I still don't think he passes Jordan, but boy, I tell you. And do not underestimate what he's done, you know, bringing the Lakers back to prominence. You can like the Lakers. You can hate the Lakers. But we always know the NBA is much more exciting when they're in the mix. I mean, it's too bad that the Warriors have kind of sputtered this year. Cause be, and hopefully I'm looking forward to seeing the Lakers and the Warriors be good at the same time. I think it's really good for the league. Um, I mean, AD and LeBron, they get some pieces around them. The Clippers are going to be back. West is going to be strong. So I think that the league is looking good. Um, uh, all this talk about, you know, an asterisk, everybody put it under the same conditions. The fact that uh, the Clippers and the Bucks became unhinged, unfocused, and didn't want it. LeBron sensed, hey, I can get, we can get this. You know, no plane travel, no crowds. You know, it was a, you know I'm not going to say it was set up, as this Blazer fan told me that, you know, that, that for Kobe and the Lakers, that, that everything's rigged, you're getting all the calls. What series were they watching? Last couple, I mean, pretty much... The, the, uh, after, like, game one or two, the Miami were the ones who were camping out of the line and going to the free throw and getting in the penalty with seven, eight minutes in the quarter or things like that. So I, I don't know what you're talking about. It being rigged for us. One of the more preposterous things that I've heard. Um, but, yeah, I mean, and, you know, We'll talk just a little bit. I want to sit here and spew about the Lakers because y'all don't want to hear that. But it's quite a, it was quite an effort for them to get back to the top of the mountain. Um, 
as you all know who follow basketball, these years, last five, historically bad. For a franchise that's not accustomed to seeing bad basketball, we saw more than our share of it. Now, there's people out there who go boo-hoo-hoo, you poor fans, given that you, especially now that you've won 11 titles since 1980, I don't want to hear about your woe is me. And I'm not here to cry about woe is me. But I can tell you it was a very satisfying moment for a team that was really bad for the last four or five years. And because we're, although we're beloved, we're probably three or four times as many other people who hate us. And so for all the hate, hate rate that's been passed around laughing at us and all the memes that have come up and that, yes, it's true, things got so bad that we were looking forward to a summer league game as a way of being happy, of something, finding something positive. Yes, we fell that low. Kid you not. <laughs> While saying, very satisfying moment for the Laker Nation, you know. Take a bow, folks. It's re really appreciative. Tied the Celtics. Been willing to do that for a long time. As they say, label legacy. Mike and all the way to James. We love it. All right. We've reached that point in the show where it's TMA time. And, you know, I, there's some candidates out there. And it took me a minute to, to think about this for a second. Uh as I do every week when it comes to the Turd McCrory Award, as you know, goes to a person, organization, or um, any circumstance could lead to you getting that stainless steel bowl full of turds that goes out to somebody every week deserving it. You know, named after a person who is pretty fitting of this award, I might add, as I say to you all the time. So, without further ado, we give you the Turd McCory Award, and it goes to Michael Thomas. Really, dude? You've been able to get filled once? You missed last, game, last night's game because you got into a fist and cuffs with your teammate, bad, just having a bad attitude? I mean, right, you know, right? I guess the team has given him, like, a ultimatum where there's like five things he needs to do, you know, after the bye for him to be allowed back on the team. I mean, right? It, it, it's just, uh, you know, really bad, right? In, in, in terms of, I mean, obviously, they're not going to boot him from the league. He hasn't reached Earl Thomas status where the phone's not ringing. But, man, you cannot be punching your teammates. Right? You've been on the field once, and now you're off the field of disciplinary action. Saints at three and two have somehow holding the fort down with the Buccaneers having two losses, and it hasn't cost your team yet. But you continue down this path, it could be the difference between being 10 and six and seven and nine and being on the outside looking in. Just saying, they need you because Drew looks very old. It looks very old. I mean, they got some contributions last night from other folks, but I think the game would have been a lot easier. You wouldn't have had to dig yourself out of a hole if Thomas is there. So, based on him being a 
detriment to his team right now. He gets the Turd McCrory Award. All right. We have reached the end of a, I guess, a, a disjointed episode. Definitely fought our way through it with all kinds of other things going on. Gotta say, it's a very exciting time. Working on some more guests. We always have fun doing that. Uh, companion podcast is going very well. Definitely booking guests for that as well. Even though I always talk about it, but where is it? Hey, these things take time. No rush. Just getting it when it, when it's out there. It'll be it'll be out there. Um, but other than that, yeah, we've got so much going on with uh, college football heating up. NBA's done, but the NFL is war- is definitely warming up. Uh, so there's been a lot of things to talk about. Other sports. You want to come on the show and rap with me, drop me a line somehow. We'll make it happen. All sorts of things to talk about. I'm always game for it because I really enjoy doing this. As we always say, wear your mask. Don't forget to socially distance. Use the sanitizer. All those wonderful things so we can get back to our games, concerts, and our party on. And just being able to enjoy, you know, each other once again. Be safe and sane. We'll be back for episode 20. Yeah, folks. Episode 20. That's how long we've been doing this. It's a lot of fun. F-T-I-N-F-X at gmail.com. If you want to drop me a line, tell me how, what I can do to be better. All sorts of things. And yeah, improvement is something we're always trying, we're striving for. Anyway, peace out. We'll talk to you all soon.